Thanks for checking out the YVF podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you in whatever season of life you're in. Now here's Pastor Kevin. everybody. I'm glad to see you all brave the little bit of snow we have. My, uh, my husband decided that I shouldn't go out this morning. Of course, the front steps were solid ice, you know. He went out and broomed off my car and started it up, and then he decided I shouldn't come. And it's going to be slick. So then he decided, well, I'll drive you. I said, well, you can come with me. But, you know, that didn't work. But he said, okay, I'll come back and get you. I said, well, don't go to sleep. Because that's what will happen. I may or may not need a ride home today. Okay. (laughs) So isn't this great? Isn't it great to be able to come here and be together and worship together? And, you know, worship isn't just singing a song. It's paying attention, you know, to, to God and, and what he has for us and what he has to say to us. And, and um, it's, it's in the word. Worship is in the word. Worship is in the song. I'm, I'm so thankful for our worship team that we have here. Thank you, John and, and Terry and Shalane and Jeannie. I love singing with Jeannie. <laughs> Thank you all. Um, I was going to call John and request a, a song be sung. Um, and then it kind of went away. My thoughts kind of do that, so please bear with me. They're here, they're gone, you know. They may come back, may not. But uh, Isaiah 9-6, everybody know that one? Everybody know that? For unto us a child is born. You know how hard it is to read that? Just to read it? Because we learn to sing it. Do you do that? You know, we used to sing, and, and I'm glad for a lot of the old music back. I like the new. Don't get me wrong, but I'm glad for some of the older stuff. But we used to sing uh, a lot of the scriptures, and that's how I learned a lot of the scriptures was by singing them. And this is one of them. And it's hard to just read it. You have to sing it. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to try to read this. For all of those that don't have a Bible, look it up. Look it up. It's Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called. Sorry. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace is he. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. You know, we uh, spend this time of the year uh, thinking about the baby Jesus. And um, we do all of the uh, Christmas play, you know, Christmas everything, the Christmas parades, and and celebrate. And it's a time to celebrate. And then there's a lot of people that give me guff because, and probably you too, Jesus wasn't born in the middle of the winter, you know, in December, if you try to figure it out when he was born. So my, my thing is, it doesn't matter. 
as long as we're together and celebrating him the world over, <laughs> what difference does it make? Yeah, I have my first three kids were all born in April, one year apart. But uh, I had one on uh, the 8th, one on the 16th, one on the 26th. So usually when they were little, I had one party. We were a long ways out of town to fly Nam Ranch, and uh, instead of having three parties for three little kids, we had one party and celebrated everybody, and it, they were okay with that. So it didn't matter if it was on a particular day or their day. As long as they got a party, they didn't care. So I, I just kind of think, you know, I don't think Jesus cares as long as we celebrate him. That's not what this is all about, okay? It's not what this is all about. <laughs> it's okay. But in, in the, the book of Luke, you know, it says that the shepherds were in the fields and, and the angels came and told them the Savior had been born to go and, and see him, find him. And, you know, Jesus was born with a purpose not just to be a sweet little baby in a manger that we can sing about, but with a purpose. You're all, we're all born with a purpose. And a lot of times I say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Tell me what it is. But what, what is my purpose? You know, it's, uh, I think it's loving him. Therefore, I love you. It's doing for him, therefore I do for you. I think that, this uh, family that Cindy's talking about is just a, an amazing thing, you know, for all of us to come together to do. And I believe that we all want to help somebody. A lot of times we don't know who or how. What's the need? Who needs and what is it, you know? So I love that uh, Cindy, you know, knows this family and, uh, and we can help them. And they are so totally blessed. Can't wait to meet them, <laughs> you know, and have them come and, and hopefully be part of our family here. But we all have a purpose, and this may be it. Who knows? This family could be your purpose. What, what was Esther's purpose, <laughs> you know? She said, this, this may be what I'm here for. In case you haven't read Esther, read it, okay, so you'll know what I'm talking about. We all have a purpose. Jesus was born with a purpose, okay? Um, the Bible records his birth, and uh, a lot of it's debated. We don't care about that. He was born with a purpose, and he came. His purpose was to come and save the world from sin. That was his purpose here, okay, and um, he came to do that because he loves us. We can't, we can't even really fathom that love, the love that God has for us. I can say, I love you, I love you, you know, a lot of you, I love you, and I do, and it, it's true, I do, but it's a different kind of love than what God has for us. I can't, um, I can't imagine sending my son, I have three, either one of them, um, to die for you. I can't imagine that. Straighten up, do yourself, you know. <laughs> Take care of yourself. I can't imagine that, really sending my son to die on a cross for the sin of the world. If you think of the most horrible, horrific thing you can think of, that's what Jesus died for. That's what he died for, for all of us. So he is the savior in the world. Um,
In a, in a lot of places in the world, uh, when a child is born, there's uh, families uh, promise their children to each other. I don't think that's all bad. I'm not sure if I totally agree with it. But I don't think it's all bad. The older I got and the more my daughters grew up, I have three of those too, I thought I should pick a husband for them. They, they don't know what they're... <laughs> they don't know what to look for here. We should all be teaching our girls what kind of man to look for. We should be teaching our sons what kind of man they need to be. You see, and a lot of cultures do that. And a lot of fathers uh, pick a man from another family because he knows the family and he knows how that child's going to be raised and how they're, what kind of person they're going to be when they grow up. So, um, I think it's kind of, uh, you know, from a mother's perspective, <laughs> I don't think it's all bad. Um, but when they get old enough, they become engaged, publicly, you know, engaged. Everybody knows now they're old enough, they're going to be engaged, and in time they'll be married. Usually it's about a year. Okay, so uh, an engagement is just as binding as a marriage. Okay, just as, just as binding as a, if you're engaged, you're married. Okay, there just hasn't been a ceremony thing yet. <laughs> but you are bound to this other person. It gives uh, some time for the girl to prepare uh, for her marriage. And a lot of that, not all, but a lot of that uh, includes uh, bathing and oiling her skin, cleaning herself, you know, getting ready for her husband, for her wedding, uh, gathering items, you know, probably that she needs to make a home. Anybody here ever have a hope chest? <laughs> I knew you did. <laughs> um, I kind of sort of did, but it was just a box. It wasn't a chest, it was a box. But I worked and I purchased items, you know, sheets, towels, things, you know, you think you're going to need. Um, and I have a list of things that I had when I got married uh, for my kids, my granddaughters, and it's about this long. <laughs> on a page, <laughs> basics. Now, people get married and you don't know what to get them because they already have it. You know, even a house usually. <laughs> but this was a time for preparing and getting ready. So the man at, during this time is preparing a home, a place to bring his bride to. You know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> He's preparing a place to bring his bride okay, so that they, they can uh, have a life together. We are the bride of Christ. Okay? We are his bride. We are engaged to him. We are totally committed to a marriage with him. And he said, I am going to prepare a place for you, and when it's ready, I will come back for you to marriage. I think that's beautiful. That's what he said. I'm going to go prepare the place and I will come back and get you. Now, I don't know if that's when I lay down and die or if when he comes back, but it doesn't matter to me either way. He said he's coming back for me, and I believe that. So whenever that is, I think that's wonderful. Okay, so we are the bride. So 
we need to be making ourselves ready. Okay? Getting ourselves cleaned up. When, when we believe in Jesus and believe that he is, is the Son of God and that he came and died for our sin, when we believe that and we accept him into our life, we're engaged to him. You see, we are engaged to him. And he said, now I'm going to go prepare a place. I'll come back and get you. It's going to be this huge, huge, huge wedding celebration. What a celebration. What a celebration that's going to be. You know, everything that we kind of have and do um, that God has put here is like a foreshadow of what's to come. If you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a foreshadow of Jesus, the whole thing. It's all about Jesus from beginning. It's all about him. And then it comes a time when he is born, and then he died, and then the rest of it is how you should behave and what you should be doing until he comes back to get us. I uh, I have a hard time uh, reading, well, I have a hard time reading because I can't see anything here and not a whole lot here, but, and my, my Bible is getting smaller and smaller. I don't know what's happened to it, but it's shrinking. So it's kind of hard to, to read. But I always like to read, you know, a verse, 2020, I call it, 20 before, 20 after. Don't read just a verse and run on it. Because you may be taking it where that's not what God intended you to get out of it. Okay? Read before, read after. So I told this to one little lady here one time, I do that, and she said, I'll be all day reading. And I said, okay. <laughs> you won't. You won't. And I said, just try it a couple of times. Just try it. So she actually counted verses, 20 of them, back and forward and marked it <laughs> where to read. And she said, you can't stop right there. You have to go further. I said, hello. <laughs> yes, you do. You want to get it all in. And it's, um, it is hard for me to take a scripture or even a few little verses, you know, without taking the whole thing, without reading the whole thing. So um, <clears throat> when God made man, he made man male and female. So a lot of reference to man is mankind, not just men or male, okay? So keep that in mind when you're reading. A lot of it does. Don't, don't get me wrong here, but a lot of it doesn't. So read it. Keep that in mind. Adam, when he made Adam, uh, everybody knows this story. Adam had no one, no one on the whole earth to satisfy or to meet his needs. So what did God do? He put him to sleep. You know, this was not a surprise to God. I thought, how come he didn't make a female to start with, you know? I still don't know that answer, but <laughs> God put him to sleep and took a rib and he made a woman. And he brought that woman to Adam as his bride. That was his bride. And he brought, brought them there. So I, um, I use this uh, reference a lot, um, almost always, when I'm doing a wedding. And uh, I say, you know, Adam uh, needed someone. God brought him a bride, you know. And um, then, the, then the, you know, there's always, who gives this woman to be married to this man, you know. And, and the dad says, I do, or his mother and I do, or his family and I do, or whoever, you know. But the dad walks her up there and gives her 
uh, to this man. You know, Jerry well ago said, sometimes I get off track and I talk about something else. And I said, hello, I do that all the time. So here I am. So when my oldest daughter got married, she was the first one to get married. And my husband was not happy. <laughs> it's hard for a, a, a father that loves his daughter to give her to give her to another man. Anybody, any fathers out there that agree with that? Uh -huh. See, it is. It's hard for them. But the father says, you know, who wants this? Who, I say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? The father does. So when, when God the father brought Eve, the bride, gave her to Adam, okay, the marriage, the first one. Now, oh, now, I have uh, four couples here that I asked to come up here. They all love me for this, you know, I'm always doing this to somebody, so Come up here. I promised that I wouldn't make them dance or, okay, one of you over here, Cindy. And Richard hates for me to get behind him. <laughs> I promise I'm not gonna hurt you, okay? Now, God could have taken any bone out of that man and made a woman. He could have used anything. He chose to use a part of the man for the woman, to build this woman, to fashion her. He made her beautiful and special. And he took the rib from underneath his arm next to his heart. <coughs> so what I want you guys to do is hug your wife. Cindy, on the floor, <laughs> hug her. Thank you. <laughs> hug, let him hug you. <laughs> Don't you love me? <laughs> if you notice, everybody but Cindy, it's a natural, normal thing for the man to put his arms around and hug his wife right up next to him and hold her next to him. It's just a natural thing. Not get up on a step. <laughs> I have to give them a bad time. So it's a natural, normal thing to put your arms around your wife and hold her to you. Okay? It's a, it's a sign actually of I love you. Uh, I comfort you, I protect you, I want you. Put your arms around your wife. <laughs> uh, you know, I picked these people on purpose because they're going to talk to me again after this, I hope. <clears throat> isn't this um, isn't this much better though than uh, if God had taken a bone out of your foot you know and you could just walk all over her or a bone from your head so that she could be above you that's not what God intended he meant for you to love her, to protect her, to comfort her, to see to her needs, to take care of her. Always. That's the man's job. Well, part of it. I got a whole list of job here, but. <laughs> but really, that's, that's part of the, 
of what God intended for man to do was to take care of his wife. So you got to keep in mind here, this is the bride of Christ. And he wants to put his arms around us and hold us and love us, comfort us, teach us, lead us, guide us, protect us. Anything and everything that we need, he is here for. He's here for. This is a, a shadow of, a picture of Jesus and his bride, loving her and taking care of her. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians um, 5.22 says that a woman is to submit to her husband. And <clears throat> in this uh, submit, I had a conversation with a grandson one day. It was friendly. It ended friendly. I still love him. He still loves me. But he says, my wife is supposed to do what I tell her because the Bible says she's supposed to submit to me. And I said, do you know what submit means? Yeah, she's supposed to do what I say. I said, no, 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 you got it all wrong here. Let's get a dictionary. <laughs> Let's read that scripture. And don't just read that one, but read after it and see what it says and what it means, okay? Um, including submit means to be devoted to, okay, to give yourself to respect, to love your husband. It's not lay down and let him walk all over you because God didn't take that bone out of his foot for you. But underneath his arm next to his heart to hold you and to love you. That's what God does. He, doesn't, he wants us to submit to him. He wants us to give ourselves to him. Okay, men have a major, major responsibility as head of the house. I'm glad I have a husband that takes that. And I learned not to fight him on everything. I've never really been a fighter, but I've been a powder or a no talk to you, you know. But over the years, we've been married um, 64 and a half years. Walt and Pauline have been married the same time. They got married the same month we did in May. And um, over the years, I've, I have learned, and especially after um, I came to know the Lord, and the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit began to teach me how to be a wife and what was required of me. It's required, because Jesus said, do this, okay? It's required to submit to him, to respect him, to be devoted to him. You know what really gets my goat I don't even like goats, but gets my goat is young women sitting around complaining about their husband. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. It, it just grates me. <laughs> That's not your job to tell everybody else all of his faults. Your job is to tell everybody else how good he is. And I want to tell you, there is some good there. I don't care who he is. There is. My granddaddy used to say, don't say anything about anybody unless you say something nice. Okay? Even if you don't say anything, it's better than putting down. We don't need to be put down. We're already put down. We need to be built up. 
husbands need to be built up. They need to know they're appreciated, you know, that we care about them, that we're thankful for them. Some of you know my husband. He's no cowboy. And he does not take compliments. I tell him, you know, I really appreciate you. And he goes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> just doing what I thought I ought to do, you know. Just <laughs> He is. But we need to do that. He likes to hear it. He just doesn't want anybody to think he likes to hear it. You know what I mean? We all do. We all need to know we're appreciated and that something that we do uh, touches them or blesses them or whatever. So I tell my husband, thank you for just hugging me and holding me. Because there was a time, you know, when I would get real upset about something and, and uh, I'd be slamming pots and pans and, you know, stuff around and, and uh, I would start, he'd say, what's the matter with you? So I'd start telling him, and he'd say, well, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> do you have a husband that does that? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? I don't want you to do anything about it. I just want you to listen to me. Let me just vent, and then I'll feel better. <laughs> Come and give me a hug and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You can do this. You know, through the years, uh, there was a lot of things that I thought, I can't do this. Like driving from um, the, the Morgan house at the Flying M to town in a snowstorm and two foot of snow already on the ground. And I said, I don't think I can. He said, you can do that. It's not that, it's not that hard. You can do it. Well, I just knew I could. And if I couldn't, he's the one has to come pull me out. But if I just went and he told me I shouldn't, I'll guarantee you I'd have been in the ditch. So through this time, I've learned to listen to him, you know, because I pray for him all the time. And I pray God gives him wisdom and things, and he does. And I take that from God. I accept that from my husband because I believe it's from God telling him what I should and shouldn't do most of the time. Because most of the time, I would just do something and I'd be in trouble every single time. If he told me not to do it, if I did it, I was in trouble one way or another. I'd be in the ditch. It's so much easier, it's so much easier to just let him tell me, yeah, I do or don't. Because if it works out or doesn't, it was his decision, not mine. Put the blame on him, you know. <laughs> but men have a huge responsibility in taking care of their families. I don't mean, <clears throat> you know, just to be mean about things. He's not mean about things and says, no, I don't want you to, go. I don't, you don't need to go and do that. For no reason at all, you know. No, give me a good reason and I'm good with it. You know, I'm not just a post standing here. I've got feelings. I need you to explain a little bit here to me. Tell me why you think I shouldn't. Sometimes he would say, well, I don't know. I just don't feel like you should. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. It's okay. But the, the thing is, he has learned to come and just give me a hug and say, it's okay. It'll work out. You know. I need him and he needs me. He needs me not just to make breakfast. <laughs> sometimes he sometimes he doesn't want any or, or dinner or wash his clothes or whatever. Although those things are a need and they are necessary. He doesn't even know how to turn the washing machine on, never has. Um, I can tell you two times he's done dishes in 64 and a half years. 
two times. It's okay. He just leave. Oh, I knew you'd get around to it. <laughs> Whether you're sick or not, you know, don't matter. I just learned to listen to him and, and try to, I say, okay, Lord, what does my husband need from me today? Sometimes it's nothing. Just be there. You know, he worked at, the, at a ranch in Bridgeport um, for 20 years. He, he worked up there, and um, he was up there from April till December every year. And I lived by myself. I worked and kept our home here. And uh, I would call him or he would call me um, Friday or whenever, and, and um, he'd give me a list of things that he needed from the store or whatever. And sometimes I'd call him and... And I called him and I said, well, do you need anything? And he said, I, and for a week or so, I had been feeling really down and blah and, you know, pouting, nobody cares and, you know, stuff like that. So when I called him, I said, do you need anything? And he said, just you. You know what? I ran on that for two months. <laughs> really? It doesn't take much. I don't require much, really. He says, what are you going to get for Christmas? I don't know. What are you going to get me? He says, well, I don't know what you want. So he gives me money. He says, here, buy yourself something for Christmas. <laughs> okay, I'll go buy something for you. How about that? It doesn't take much. I don't require much. I just need to know sometimes that you appreciate. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll say, I love you, and, and he'll say, well, do you love me? Well, if I didn't, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Is it that hard to say? I love you. You know, and I, he's gotten um, older, and he's really mellowed because he doesn't have now the responsibility that we had for so long, raising a bunch of kids and grandkids and, you know, stuff like that. So he's really mellowed. But a lot of times he will say that, I love you, you'll thank you. That was a great dinner, you know, or something, anything, anything at all. He sits in a chair here, and I sit in one over here, and there's the TV, you know. I've got my books, my Bible, my whatever, you know, right here. He's got the TV right there, you know, uh, rodeo usually, or football or whatever. Rodeo's been on, you know, for two weeks, you know that. Well, that's all we've seen is rodeo. Well, let's watch that one again. We'll record it. So we watch it again. You know, well, hey, we know everybody on that circuit. We know everybody that's won. We know everybody that's been bucked off. We, you know, just the whole thing. Rodeo. So if I get up and go do something, he says, where are you going? What are you going to do? I'm going to go start the laundry. Oh, okay. If I'm gone more than two or three minutes, he comes and says, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm sorting laundry. <laughs> he wants me there with him. He just wants me there with him. I don't have to... He doesn't care if I read, write, whatever, as long as I'm right there and he knows I'm there. But he knows I'm okay if he can see me. He's really worried that I'm going <clears> to, <throat> sorry, fall down somewhere, which I have done. That's why I need hand. <laughs> when I walk slow, uh, my balance isn't so great anymore. That's why Cindy got me a table and a chair to sit here. And, and, but he's really worried that I'm going to fall down somewhere, and he's not going to know it. He can't hear as good as he used to. So he wants to know where I'm going, what I'm going to do, when I'm coming back. If I'm not back... In a couple of minutes, he comes looking for me. You know what? Jesus does that. The Holy Spirit does that for us. 
He is concerned about every single part of us, every, every thought we have, everything we do, he's concerned about because we're his bride. Who was a, who was a, um, a pilot used to fly an airplane for Murphy when they owned the Flying M Ranch? And he was a great guy. And he, he, called, he called me Lonnie's bride for years. He always called me Lonnie's bride. And I said, one day I said, do you know my name is Joe? And he said, oh, I know that. But you'll always be Lonnie's bride. And I thought, you know what? I like that. I'm Lonnie's bride. We are the bride of Christ. It, that, you know, he's not going to just break that engagement and say, I changed my mind. He's not going to do that. We should not do that. People have done that. Don't do that. We don't want to break this engagement. That's bad. I like uh, Ephesians 5.22 and Colossians 3.18 if you want to write them down and read them sometime, you know. Um, it's about husbands and wives, but if, if, you, um, if you take that and think about Christ and the church, okay, that's what it's about. There's, this, this is an instruction book on how to live what to do, what not to do. It's our instruction book. We need to read it. You know, I have an instruction book in my car. I've had that car for, I don't know how many years, long time. 12, 13, I don't know. Do you know I got the instruction book out the other day and found out things it does I didn't even know? <laughs> I didn't even know it did that. Well, Get the instruction book out and read it, and it will tell you how to behave. We need to know how to behave. We need to, as a church, know how to behave in our own individual life. I'm sorry, you guys can sit down if you want to, if you're tired of standing. <laughs> <laughs> See, that wasn't painful, was it? I told you it wouldn't be. Every time I ask Richard if he'll do something, he'll... What is it? <laughs> Depends on what it is. It's painless. Anyway, the, the instructions say the husband is the head of the wife as as Christ is head of the church, okay? We are his body. He is the savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husband in everything, okay? Unless it's illegal, maybe. They don't want to do something illegal, but... Christ is the head of the church. We submit to him. The man is the head of the wife. Submit to him, which means be devoted to, to love, to honor, respect. Okay? Husbands, love your wife. You, love means to care for them, to protect them. When I had, uh, see how I ramble, I'm sorry. When I had, was going through, uh, 2014 was a, a year of one thing after another, but in 2014 in April, my husband had a stroke. In June, the end of June, he had open heart surgery. He had a valve replaced. It, the surgeon that did his sur surgery was, uh, I, I can't think what his name is. I know it. I can't think. Anyway, he was John Esquaga's son-in-law. A lot of you know John Esquaga, knew him. Anyway, he was his son-in-law. So 
he, uh, he tells my husband, he said, uh, we're going to get a, a, a pig valve, you know, and replace this valve. And um, he says, oh, no, we don't want to use a pig. You're a cowboy. We'll use a cow. We'll use a cow valve. And he's, oh, no, we can't use a cow. We'll use a steer valve on you because I don't want you going around thinking you're the new bull on the block. <laughs> so he, got a, he did get a steer valve, actually. Changed that thing. We almost lost him, waited for four hours for him to come and tell us he wasn't dead. Because the doctor came out and said, we're losing him, just be prepared, we're losing him. I said, no, we're not. <laughs> not ready for that. So then in, uh, that was the end of June. In August, I was diagnosed as uh, stage four cancer. So I had a huge, huge cancer on, on my breast and more inside. So anyway, you know, chemotherapy, I think it's from the devil myself, but I don't think God intended for us to do chemotherapy. <laughs> I just can't do it. I was so sick, they did. I got five different uh, medications in chemotherapy. There's different kinds, you know, different people get different kinds. And I, I had five of them. I got uh, chemo on Wednesday, and Friday I had to go back and get a shot. So what it was doing was the chemo's killing, literally killing, poisoned everything. The shot is supposed to renew it. Well, you know what a battle that is in your body? It's horrid. It's absolutely horrid, and it is so painful. I feel for anybody that has to go through any of that kind of stuff. It's extremely painful. And I was take medications for it, you know, it doesn't always help. But my husband took such good care of me. Of course, I'd taken care of him, too, you know, all the other, but still. He took such good care of me. And I had four drains. They were six-inch long drains. And I, so I couldn't go on either side. I couldn't even start to roll over. I had to sit straight up, which I couldn't do. So all night long, I don't think he swept, slept for th at least three months because I would barely move. And he'd say, are you okay? <laughs> do you need to get up? You know, he would get up and come around and lift me up and, and help me off the bed, into the bathroom. Back. He did everything for me, put me back in there get my pillows, because I can't lay flat, so i got to have my knees up, you know, put pillows up. And can you imagine Lonnie doing all this, Carol? So, you know, cover me up. Are you warm? Is that too much? You know, he'd lay down. I'd move the legs. Are you okay? <laughs> you know, just, he just took care of me. Anything and everything that I needed done, he did. I appreciated that so much. You know, I appreciated that. My daughter was here. She moved from Texas back out here to help take care of him when he had the heart thing, and then me. And then in November that year, she was at work. Cal kicked her arm up against the fence and shattered the bone in her arm here, on her right arm, you know. So he's recovering from heart stuff. I'm doing chemo, and she's got a broken arm. We're a mess, you know. Without this church family, I don't know what we would have done because everybody here took care of us. We had a meal at my house every day for almost a year, literally, from somebody. I had people hauling me to the doctor's, We spent more time at the doctors and the hospitals in that one year than we had done in all of the 50-some years combined before that. I mean, it was just two or three times every week, either he or I was going. 
We had people take care of us, you know why? Because we're a family. Like with this family that Cindy knows, you know, we want to help take care of them, let them get on their feet again, and then they help somebody else. I helped a lot of people here. I've done a lot of, uh, I'm not bragging about myself. I'm just saying, I have, oh, I've been in this church since 1966, okay, a long time. And I have helped over the years a lot of people with a lot of different things. But I tell you, it's such a blessing to give, to help somebody else. I never ever even thought about I wasn't getting anything. Never even thought that until I started getting. Uh, oh my gosh, what a blessing this is. A meal. Can't imagine how wonderful a meal is when you're not able to take care of it and do it yourself. Now, my husband can scramble eggs, but that's nearly his only thing. He's not a cook. He doesn't barbecue. All my boys, grandkids, everybody barbecues. They cook everything. They're all good cooks. My girls are wonderful cooks. They didn't learn it from me. I can cook a pot of beans, and that's my good. This family, that's what we are, is a family here. And we all take care of each other, okay? But you have to know the need. A lot of people have, you know, they've said, well, nobody's done anything for me. I said, what do you need? I didn't know you needed anything. I'd be glad to help you if I can. A lot of times I can't do what, you know, if you need a, a driver to take you to Reno, I'm sorry, that's not me. I can't drive out of the valley anymore, according to my doctor, but. I can make it to here, except for today. <laughs> My husband didn't think I could do it, so. We need each other. We're a family. The bride and groom is just the beginning, okay, of a family. We have a big family. I have six kids, three boys, three girls, 24 grandkids. 38 great-grandkids, one great-great-granddaughter. And you know, life goes on. My life is going on. If you have any family at all, your life is going on. We need to take care of that. We need to nurture that. We need to teach it. We need to teach our kids, you know, how to take care of other people themselves and other people. We all need to know that. My mother uh, had a very, very difficult time raising four kids by herself. And we had a lot of help from a lot of different people. And my mother always, always told us, if you know somebody that needs help, you help them. We had help. And the help that we had usually wasn't something that we could pay back to. You know what I mean? If, uh, if, if you bring me a meal and then you move away, I can't return that meal to you, but I can do it for somebody else. So that's what we do. Do it for somebody else. Pay it forward, I think, is what it is. Yeah, do that. Don't forget Christ and his bride. He's coming back, and he's coming back probably maybe sooner for me than you. I'm going to tell you how old I am, but I'm 82. But. So if you're only 40, I'll probably see him before you. <laughs> Take care of people. Jesus said to forgive. Forgive, 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 forgive. He said forgive one, one thing, seven times 70. If you add that all up, that's a lot of times to forgive for the same thing. You know, so if somebody offends you this morning and then and you're trying to forgive that and they offend you again at noon and they offend you, well, there's seven times 70 for this one, seven times 70 for this one. The point is, forget about it. Don't keep score. Okay? Forget it. 
do what, just forget it. Forget about it. I got, I've been angry with my husband different times, but you know what he does? He's got these blue eyes, and he looks at me and he grins, that silly grin. And it melts me every time. Every time. On the other hand, I get mad and I stay mad. I was mad at him for two weeks one time. Didn't say a word to him. Longest ever. That was my record thing. I'm not proud of it. Two weeks I didn't talk to him. My daughter Sue and her, her son came to my house. <laughs> and, uh, and Lonnie came home from work. And he had this bouquet of beautiful roses, yellow roses. And he came in with him. He's got this sheepish, silly grin. And I'm not looking at him because I know what will happen. And I'm not even going to look at him. And he brings them in and he offers them to me. Well, I just took them. And Sue says, Mom, thank you. And I said, thank you. She says, Mom, do you want to have to sit on the couch with him for a while? You know, I used to do that to my kids when they would argue, not get along. I'd make them sit on the couch and hold hands until they could get along again. It didn't take them very long, and they were out and about again. Do you want to sit on the couch, Mom? <laughs> no, but I did. I gave in. And, of course, I was glad I did. I hate being upset with people. I hate being upset with him. I, I just don't like it with, for, with anybody. It just gnaws at me. And Jesus said, well, forgive it. You know what? Forgiving doesn't mean it's okay they did what they did. It's okay. No. Because a lot of times it's not okay. It means you're not going to let it just keep tearing you up and hurting you over and over again. Forgive it. It's okay. That's one of the things I think he wants us to clean up about ourselves before he comes. Before he comes to take us to our new home is forgiveness. It's a, it's a big deal, forgiveness. Forgiveness causes all kinds of illnesses. It'll make you sick. It will literally make you sick. We need to get over ourselves, you know, and clean up and prepare ourselves for the coming of our bridegroom. Love each other. Care about each other. Be compassionate. You know? The world is lost and they need to see us as they would see Christ. There's so many people um, that don't know where to go, where to turn, who to talk to, you know. But if they see you and see what you do for each other, us, they're drawn to that. And the word says they will know we're Christians by our love for each other. And not for just who's in here, but who's out there. Like Cindy said, it's not just us. It's this family that doesn't even know the Lord. They need to see this. And they are seeing it. That, that has happened so many times over the years. So many times. We need to forgive. We need to forget things. We need to get ourselves in order. Set things straight. We need to ask forgiveness. A lot of times it's not just me forgive you. You know, it's you asking me to forgive you. You see? I ask the Lord to forgive me. A lot. I, I, I try to do what's good, and I try to do what I think he wants me to do, and... Uh, and I mess up. You'd think I'd know by now, but I mess up. I say things, and I didn't mean it that way. You know, if it offends or hurts, I didn't mean it that way. I don't mean, I don't want to offend anybody. 
I've been offended. I know what it feels like. I don't want to do that to somebody else. So if I've done it, I'm sorry. Now forgive it, okay? <laughs> Get on with it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be flip about things either. It's a serious business. It's a very serious business to get ourselves ready for the coming Christ. And that could be today because we don't know if we're going to walk out that door today. We don't know what's going to happen. We had a dear, dear, wonderful man coming to church one day, felt fine and fell out here and he was gone just like that. I mean, you know, it just, we may have someone that just lingers for a long time. We don't know when. It could be any time. could be another 10 years I might be here. I don't know. I want to forgive. I want to forget. I want, I want to get myself ready. I want to get myself cleaned up and ready for Jesus. I want to be a bride that he's going to be proud of. You know, I, I, I thought when I was looking at all this, I thought, what, what kind of, of bride does a man want to bring home to meet his family? You know, does she need to take a bath, <laughs> comb her hair? put on something a little more appropriate. You know, we need to be careful how we dress, how we look. We need to be careful about those things because we represent Jesus Christ. We are his bride and we represent him. We need to be ready. We need to get ready. We want to be someone that Jesus is proud of and proud to present to his Father. It's not a always just an easy thing, but it's not a hard thing. And he gives us instructions on how to do it. If we focus on him and keep our eyes on him, keep our mind on him, be careful what we do and say and where we go and, and um, what we watch, what, what programs do we watch? Is, you know, is that, now I'm, I'm not putting anybody down here, I want you to know that right off. <laughs> If you watch this program, that's totally your business. I watched it for almost 10 minutes one day, and I could not stand it. I can't, I can't, do, everybody watches Yellowstone. You guys, I'm not asking you. If you watch Yellowstone, you watch Yellowstone. I don't care. That's totally up to you. I had a, 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 a a friend in town, and she's like, I've got to get home, and Yellowstone's coming on. I said, you watch that? He said, oh, that's the best thing ever. That's the best show that's ever been on. I said, no, I like Gunsmoke. <laughs> 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 but does that tell you how old I am? <laughs> I cannot stand it. I said, well, let me, I'll, I'll watch, you know. I had heard about it, and I, I don't think I want to watch it. And my daughter, Linda, said, Mom, you don't want to watch it. You won't like it. So it came on, and I said, well, okay, I'll watch for myself, so I will know myself what it's about. I don't, I don't think I lasted 10 minutes, probably wasn't even two. I could not stand it, could not stand it. Uh, you know what? I don't need that garbage in my head. I don't need it. I don't want it. And I don't think... I don't think God wants me to watch it. Now, I'm not saying anything about anybody else. He doesn't want me to watch it. It, it made me nervous, 
anxious, almost sick to my stomach. That's how I felt about it. <laughs> I can't watch it. And there's other shows I don't watch. I like Andy Griffith, okay? Can't help it. <laughs> I think we need to be careful of who we are and what we're putting into our mind. What goes in comes out our mouth, okay? If we get that language and all that stuff in us, it comes out of us. I don't want my grandkids to hear me talk like that. I don't want, and I don't want them to think I sit and watch it, that it's okay for them to. You see, it's, it's garbage is what it is. My opinion, okay, and I'm entitled to my opinion. You guys are great. You really are. You're great. I don't see anybody sleeping. <laughs> you know, the woman was going to church one day. You've probably heard this. And she asked the little girl, she says, do you know why we have to be quiet in church? And the little girl said, yes, because people are sleeping. <laughs> I don't see anybody sleeping. Um... I would, I would like for us all to think today, this week, about what we can do to present ourselves a bride for Christ. Okay? Whatever is in your life or not in your life that should be or whatever it is, please don't think I'm judging you if you're watching Yellowstone or anything else. I'm not at all. It's just, that's how it is for me. I don't like garbage in me. We hope you enjoyed the message. Before you leave, we want to remind you that if you want to continue receiving updates on new sermons, that you subscribe to our podcast. If you want more information on how to contact us, make sure to check out our website at urringtonvineyardfellowship.com. And we'll see you next time on the YVF Podcast.